0: Welcome back to the Ink Sync. I am Annie. I'm Kaylee. And this is the publishing podcast for the rest of us, where we are talking about books and news and writing and reading. And this is the episode of nine million trials. (laughs) There were a lot. There were a lot. It's been a heavy, heavy month for judges, honestly. Who knew? Well, they knew, I guess. I mean, because they were doing. They it, were in
1: the, I guess, <laughs> hearing everything. Yeah, right. In long, boring months.
0: I've never been a judge, but um, I I can imagine like after day three of trials like this, you're just like, shut up, stop.
1: I have made my decision. <laughs> I don't care. Don't want to hear anymore. That's my decision. <laughs> yeah. What was the? What's it? I'd be a great judge. Oh yeah, no. Like my first, my first order of business. How dare you speak to me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Step one, no. Yeah. Step two, stop. <laughs> How you doing, Kaylee? We haven't recorded in a bit, as as usual.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Life as an adult is
0: hard. It is. Honestly, I when I was a child, I thought that like the biggest problem that adults have is like business things. But it turns out the biggest problem that adults have is scheduling things. (laughs) yeah i
1: didn't necessarily i i knew it was no fun but i don't know like why i knew about taxes as a child oh, oh okay. i knew about like work and taxes you were more exposed, yeah. i guess yeah i don't know maybe one of mom's exes like sat me down and just gave me the facts early like you should never just don't ever be happy ever <laughs> and i was like well thanks it dave and badly <laughs> that was nice i appreciate that as a as a six-year-old Right. Well, at least it, you know, set me up well, I guess.
0: Right, yeah. You were disappointed at six, and then you couldn't couldn't be more disappointed later. Carry the torch on.
1: (laughs) And some say she's still disappointed to this day.
0: Legend says (laughs) she's out there somewhere with a frown on her face. (laughs) Big sigh. Uh, She doesn't actually... Kaylee has a large smile on her face the vast majority of the time. You know, I
1: be happy in your state, otherwise you're just going to be miserable all the time anyway. It's true. You have
0: to pay taxes whether you're happy or sad, so. You're not wrong,
1: Annie. How are you? <laughs> Annie. How are you? I'm tired. Girl. So tired. I told you I walked into a screen. I was so tired the other night. Yeah. I Fam, I walked into a screen. It is ruined. I need to replace my grandmother's screen. That's horrible. You just, you did like a full... Bounced. Just right into the screen uh-huh. door.
0: Sure did. Perfect. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so... Tell me how your day is or your week's gone better.
0: (laughs) I'm good. I am still in grad school, still have two jobs, still very tired. Um, I have deadlines today. So at some point, we have to like stop recording so I can return (laughs) in an essay that I have not even drafted yet and a HTML portfolio that I have yet to start. Um, We're learning HTML this semester. Anyway, basically, I have no time to sleep because I have... Two jobs and school. And like a le- like I have a husband and a dog and a cat. And those things also ostensibly take up time. But I've oh, no, received zero time oh. lately. I feel horrible.
1: no. <laughs> you what
0: Kaylee saw, my kitchen is a disaster zone just because I have not been able to clean it in like this week. So it's just piles of stuff everywhere. It's great. I'm doing great. As I, of right now, there are no roaches in the house. Yeah. So we're like already doing better Hi. than some other places I've lived. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Did you ever live anywhere with roaches? You were in Tennessee. You weren't in like a super urban area.
1: No, but I mean, that's that's the issue is that they – and they're – I don't remember what they're – like wood roaches are in the family or whatever. They do come in, unfortunately. Mm, but it's yeah. just, you know, when you're in a, an area that gets, you know, real real yeah. damp, humid. And is rural, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like bugs come into the house, but yeah, I mean, not 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 an issue regularly in our food by any means. That's like, good. Yeah, I was thankfully.
0: I spent I don't know six or seven years living in apartment buildings in the city. I never had rats, thank God. But I definitely had a mouse once, and well, I, those just come in no
1: matter where you are. Too,
0: I yeah. like to think that it wasn't my fault. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I found I found a, the worst place I ever lived. I did find uh, roaches in the trash, and then I would obsessively just take my trash out every single day because then I that's was like, "This will this will fix it, right?" It didn't no, fix it no. um, because my neighbors were just a horribly that's the issue. dirty people. But yeah, it was bad. Don't listen to this part, mom. I've lived in wonderful places. I apologize. <laughs> so, Kaylee, yes. we have to get into the nitty gritty of this. We I do. do have some corrections. Yep, I did yep, yep, yep. I was wrong last <gasps> time we recorded. Um so we've said this before, we, we record in batches. So this was probably like three or four episodes ago for you guys as you're listening to this. But we talked about a viral tweet thread about kids reading too hmm. much. And I said that the uh Hopkins president wrote that people read too much in a book that he wrote it was not in a book. It was in a speech that he was giving to a graduating class at Hopkins. Uh, that was on me. It was only slightly less funny than I thought it was, but it was still pretty funny that a university president oh, yeah. was telling people that they read too much and they should not be reading. Get off my lawn, um, especially like Hopkins youth. at the time. I think still is like a very business focused university as mm-hmm. well as a medicine focused university, which I think require reading those two topics perhaps i mean maybe
1: that's the issue is that apparently they don't who knows so we were english majors we don't know
0: we don't know what does what does benison do do they just like throw pills at you and hope for the best (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's like a it's like a weird divination style uh, of education
0: (laughs) they give you cocaine and hope the demons go the
1: the lsd comes in and really imparts wisdom from above
0: That's what I've Great. heard. That's what I've heard. It worked for the CIA, right? I haven't been to a doctor in a bit, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, I had another cor- – this isn't so much a correction, as just a clarification. We talked about the Lambda Literary Awards last time we recorded, which honored the best LGBTQ fiction every year. And I had talked about the 2021 list and the 2022 list. I have it linked on our bookshop and on our anchor thing. You can look on our page for the full list of the 2022 winners – And you can look on Lambda's page for the 2022 nominations. My guess is that they just didn't want to compile things because they wanted to push people towards the long lists, which is totally reasonable. Probably. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. I mean, you'd want to have as many eyes on it as possible, but... Related shout out to all of you guys and everyone really out there. We have had almost 200 people taking a look at our bookshop list for trans authors and we've had something like 40 people order. Uh, or sorry, 30 people order uh, using our affiliate link. So thank you all so much. We can't see like if you ordered it outside of that. But thank you all for supporting trans authors. I think that, you know, the more that we can do this, the more that we can show in the data that these people are supported, the more like book deals they'll get. So yeah, keep no, going. Absolutely. I
1: mean, it's
0: visibility is so
1: critical it because, is. you know, it's not like these books aren't super cool and interesting. It's just a matter of getting the word out there. Yeah. So like g- keep keep shining.
0: Yeah. Congrats. Congrats to you guys for being good capitalists and supporting <laughs> our marginalized friends out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. 100%. Jumping in with probably one of my favorite months. Ever. National (laughs) Writing Month. NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. Kaylee, I, I identify as a writer. I think you do too. So this is really cool for
1: us. Oh yeah. Have Um, you ever done, have you ever done, I've never done like a full novel. I've, I've participated a few times with my own personal goals, but how about you?
0: I've given moral support. So I'm not (laughs) a novel writer. I'm a nonfiction writer the vast majority of the time. I've, I've never written fiction really other than like short flash fiction fanfic for like myself you know back in the day I was accused of of writing Anne Rice fanfiction the other day and that has never happened. I just want to throw it out there. You can never prove that I wrote any Anne Rice fanfiction. I'm very curious as to how this came up though. You're welcome to try. There are layers and layers of security that you will not be able to hack. <laughs> I am anonymous <laughs> I am the night. Anyway, so NanoRimo is a wonderful thing. I have linked to the nonprofit nanorimo.org, which is a charity that supports literacy initiatives and supports minorities in their writing careers. So, uh, that's what's going to be in the show notes because NanoRimo is kind of an unofficial thing. There are organizations that support it and you can like sign up for Discords where people are tracking their progress and spreadsheets and templates and things like that. But uh and a lot of people do do that. They do try to hit those like specific daily word counts oh, yeah. and edit counts and things like that, which is very cool. But I think a lot of people just decide to just go to for it as like, yeah, just to write personal Take goals. That's like what I did. Yeah. Inspiration. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So if you guys are curious, the uh, the goal is to write at least 40,000 words of your novel or novella. Um, And that's that's kind of the the aim, whether or not you hit that. It's not you're still doing good just thinking about it or writing anything that you do write or if you're just doing an outline or whatever anything that you do that's like you know you feel like you have contributed to your own creative mythology
0: go yeah. go good job your your writer friends will be quieter than normal Mm -hmm. This month, support Mm -hmm. them, send them, you know, little tea gift packages Mm -hmm. or support Um, NaNoWriMo.org. They have donations available. We supported them last year. I think we'll probably do that this Mm -hmm. year as
1: well. Mm -hmm. There are multiple nonprofits that support literacy and writing that are totally deserving. And we should we should drop some
0: in addition to this
1: one. We should drop some links in for people.
0: My hope one day if we ever get enough money to have a website Uh, is that we will have like just a section of uh, charities and stuff that are like supporting literacy supporting books supporting small bookstores and minority authors and things if you want to help us get a website (laughs) (laughs) you can support us for as low as 99 cents a month yeah Um, or just keep buying from our bookshop lists uh that would even be even better because you're supporting those all of those uh lgbtq and queer authors Moving on, we have been talking about the Penguin Random House-Simon and Schuster merger a lot on this show, henceforth called PRH and SNS, because we, for some reason, cannot say these names. We keep
1: getting them messed up, so, like, the the less we have to say the words, the better.
0: Yes, we're not being lazy, we're just really bad at stuff. <laughs> mm,
1: I don't think we're doing this right, Annie, I think we're not <laughs> supposed
0: second. to advertise that. Damn it, Yeah. it. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, we've, again, we've been covering this story for a while. It's probably the biggest story in book publishing of the year. So it's been something that, you know, we've had to cover. I think if this had gone through, it would have affected probably the largest number of people that any story we've covered would have. Because PRH and SNS are the two largest trade book publishers in the country. So the short version of this is that a judge blocked the merger. They have not released a full opinion yet, just because there's a lot of personal or proprietary details in the ruling uh, that they're going to wait and let the executives from PRH and SNS, like, strike those out to redact them. But the basic idea, the judge said, is that it would be bad for authors. The end. <laughs> yeah,
1: Yeah. like, you, they're like, no, and they're like, but he's like, Can you give me proof the way it's not? And they're like, well, we said it's not. And at the end of the day, that wasn't enough for some reason. Yeah. So yeah, good, good, good.
0: Yeah. So the trade book market will remain as is self-publishing and Amazon will remain anxiety points and we will have the big five still for a while. I wonder if this will be... So I found it really interesting to see the commentary from some mid-list publishers and authors talking about like how this affects them. And one person brought up that this is kind of, it might be like an early warning sign that maybe we'll be seeing more mergers, but in the smaller space, like the small publishers, the smaller imprints and things like that. I wonder if we will. I don't know. I don't know if that'll affect authors as much. I would say actually that would be better because that would do what they said it would do, which is give them more money to offer to more authors. But yeah, I mean Yeah,
1: it would just depend on the 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 market, probably the local market, and mm-hmm. the impact or the footprint of the publishers in question, probably yeah. more than anything. But yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely make that argument on the on the smaller scale, whereas there is absolutely evidence on the larger scale that it know, at, after a certain point, the beast is too large, yeah. and corporate interests become too prevalent, and that's when your shareholders become involved, and you care less about the community.
0: We'll so. see. This entire saga has been pretty entertaining though. Um, <laughs> so we've covered a lot of it, but I'll link to the the PRH uh, and SMS stuff in the show notes. You can hear us laughing about it. Um, there is a Ministry of Silly Walks reference if you'd like to, to <laughs> see that. The main issue really in the book market usually just goes back to the fact that a lot of books just don't sell very well. And these people want to like consolidate those costs. But uh, with... PRH and SNS being so huge, you know, their books do sell well. <laughs> A lot of times, like the trade book market is really, really cornerstoned by these people. They're the ones hitting the bestseller list. So it's it's actually affecting them less. So I'm not really sure how they thought this was going to go for them.
1: I don't think that they thought. Like, again, they, they were like, why didn't this go through? They were scrambling to present their arguments. Like they, they just assumed that there wouldn't be any pushback. And go <laughs> figure... People were like, no. Yeah. They they just didn't expect to have to, to, to fight it.
0: And of course, the Penguin Random House executives have been pretty quiet since this news dropped. It was only a couple of weeks ago. But there was one executive who said uh, that this was all very silly and that he blamed this on politics in Washington, which is not out of bounds like Biden did come in talking about antitrust and strengthening those laws and this was brought by the doj pretty early on in biden's presidency so it's not like a crazy theory or anything like that but they the executive then went on to say like we've proved that we're like really good at this because when penguin and random house combined there weren't that many issues and it's like yeah but when penguin and random house combined there were six of you guys like it's different going from six to five than going from five to four like that is a massive contraction of money and power. Like, you can't. Or you contract.
1: Those like, again, you're just setting the precedence that you're going to continue to contract. Yeah. At what point do you stop?
0: Right, exactly.
1: There has to be a line somewhere. Anyway, yeah. the judge made the right choice.
0: Moving on from news and jumping into scholarship. This is a little bit of a teaser. Our next episode is going to be all about the journal publishing crisis. So stay tuned for that. And stay tuned, I mean, tune in next week for that. (laughs) But we are kind of jumping into this a little bit right now. The federal open access mandate got its teeth filed a little bit. This comes to us from the scholarly kitchen the people who write for the scholarly the kitchen call themselves chefs. Um, the chefs talked to people who were working with the government on their open access regulations. And it seems like we got really excited. And now they're kind of walking back a few of those regulations. Last time we recorded, we talked about how there was a federal mandate to make any federally funded research free immediately to the public and now they're kind of walking that back a little bit it's still it seems like being worked out um mm-hmm. it seems like there was a lot of fanfare up front and now they're kind of quietly realizing that some some of the practicalities need to change
1: yeah it's it's unfortunate like i guess i i can only say that probably they're hopefully be made these updates because it, they don't have all of the details worked out. They are working right. through it still and will come back in a year or two with updated legislation again. Yeah. proposed changes or whatever, um mm. amendments, but let's hope cuz I mean with the way that it's written now, like there's just there's no teeth. Well, I don't know that it's filed down so much as been totally defanged.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, it's there's no legal obligation at this point. So mm. there's like any lawyer coming into this is going to laugh you know like
0: yeah it's it's it went from basically a mandate to a recommendation which is kind of sad i was really excited for you know the state of scholarly research but seems like the federal government still isn't prioritizing it sad face yep we'll see where it goes though we will keep you all updated moving on kaylee i went on a field trip (sighs) You
1: did. Today. Hey, you went to that Ethics and Publishing conference, didn't you? I sure
0: did. How did you like? Um, so the Ethics and Publishing conference, uh there were a lot of publishers there, uh a lot of employees for trade groups and then a lot of students in the George Washington University publishing program, which I am a part of as well. And it was absolutely wonderful. I sent you a list of some of the topics the keynote was the diversity, equity, and inclusion VP from Penguin Random House, who zoomed in to talk about their thoughts and their initiatives. And I was really, really impressed. You know, this is gonna sound really cynical, and I'm sorry, but a lot of times you get like a VP of a corporation and they're like outlining their initiatives. And you're like, ah, this seems like kind of bullshit. But She was genuinely like super passionate talking about these very specific and positive initiatives and all of the ways that they're following up and thinking about things and conceptualizing their hiring and things like that. And I was genuinely very, very impressed. I am glad that Penguin Random House is putting their money where their mouth is and investing in these initiatives. It was absolutely wonderful. There was another presentation that was about accessibility in the publishing space and someone who was in my cohort did a presentation. She was talking about how like, you know, a lot of companies aren't able to like, because they can't legally like ask people about their specific disabilities. So sometimes they aren't able to create the most accessible environment. And so she has created a consulting company all by herself through her ethics capstone and thesis and she is going to be consulting with companies about their accessibility standards and the kinds of things that they're able to do and some of her findings from her initial surveys were absolutely ridiculous so she pub- she published the survey talking to a bunch of publishing um, employees about their experiences with accessibility initiatives and a lot of them said that their companies didn't have accessibility initiatives which they did because she was working with the executives and she's like your people don't know what your accessibility initiatives are that's a problem yeah you need to fix this wow another one tina donnelly whose work we've actually talked about before um she did a presentation on diversity in children's books and about how the vast majority of protagonists in children's mm-hmm. books are white. And the second most prevalent group is animals. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is frankly ridiculous. I absolutely loved her presentation. I've seen it twice now. And I we reference it obviously frequently in this podcast. Um, it was one of the big things that made me feel like we need to do this podcast. It was really wonderful. It was an all-day conference, and it was in D.C., and I was able to talk to a lot of scholarly publishers. It was a really interesting one, uh, a panel with a publisher, a librarian, and a representative from JSTOR talking about a new initiative for uh, a scholarly publishing bundle. And we've talked about bundles a little bit before for our library's discussions about how, like, they're kind of forced into these bundles from the publishers and forced to pay a bunch of money for these books in, in these bundles. Mm-hmm. And, um, how, how does scholarly publishing fit into that? And so there was a really long, really in depth, really interesting discussion about that. Please know I am working on a deep dive episode for us on ethics and publishing. Also related, uh, Penguin Random House just released its latest diversity yeah Uh, i didn't did i put this in your you did okay it was at the top the latest diversity statistics Mm -hmm. um and it has gotten better but it's not awesome
1: also i was very curious if they did a restructuring in like last year and i just Mm -hmm. say that because like the specific figures that they have related to um race and ethnicity like in their various positions tiers I guess of employment the different kinds of employment as they broke them down were only for the last two years whereas their overall race and ethnicity new higher data they've got it for the last six years interesting um which has shown improvement but I'm just curious as to like how like the actual improvement translates and we'll post all this to show notes. yeah like this will be in the notes but like why wouldn't you have like your your data that you've got here for the level leveling I guess? From before 2021. So the way that when I say the level, it's some some people may be familiar with some of these terms. So entry level, which is non exempt or non salaried employees, sorry. um And then you've got your individual co- contributor, which could be co- contractors, perhaps on that that la- that level of thing. Then you've got your people leaders, which are usually your managers or your supervisors.
0: What did you call them? Mid- people leaders. People that's, leaders. That's
1: what they're people leader. Oh, that's what people leader. <laughs> not people eaters. I
0: and I was like, is that a business term? That's, Annie,
1: I, I have, now I have to give a, a disclosure oh, since I've time. I don't think I've mentioned where I work. If I did, I'm sorry. My my employer does not eat people, I promise. <laughs> it's not a normal term where I work. People leaders. People leaders, yes. So you've got your supervisors, your mid-level management, then you've got your executive teams, and then you've got your boards, essentially. Um, so you've got your executive committees. Right but this feels like a pretty standard structure that you could slot people into Mm -hmm. so i'm just curious as to why they wouldn't have gone back and just they were already in the data Mm -hmm. they've got the data from 2017 out like why wouldn't they have provided the same general like exposure question mark but also you know still i mean it does show
0: improvement in general yeah absolutely So Perhaps it's a it's sort of a nudge improvement goal for them, Mm -hmm. so they're going year to year focusing more on that. We don't know, I'm not part of PRH. I'm not even gonna ask for sponsorship.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We uh we go back and forth on how much we like PRH on any given day. We do! And our ability to say their name correctly is, is in question, so frankly if I were them, I wouldn't love us either. So
0: what are you guys called? I don't know. I have no
1: idea. I don't even remember which version of the wrong name we've said. Because we've All said it them. wrong many different ways.
0: A million times. I have to, like, sound it out in my head whenever I have to say the full name. It's a problem. I don't know why. I think we both just have a block on their name.
1: Well, it's, like, I'm, like, publishers. We have a, it's a publishers podcast. Yeah. Podcasts,
0: random house. It's so uh, <laughs> so anyway. annoying.
1: So there, is, so there are, so they did publish their diversity figures. Um, mm-hmm. it is any transparency is good transparency in Absolutely. this regard, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go totally too far into the results again. We're going to talk about that more fully, um, at some point, talking about diversity in the publishing industry. Um, I will say there is less representation for minorities of color and, uh, LGBTQ people. So there is still a lot of work to be done moving on to one of our favorite sections marginalized people killing it in publishing yeah why don't you tell us about the nobel prize winner Annie Arnaud, She is a French
1: writer from uh, France. I'm an idiot. Um, Annie Arno is. <laughs> Listen, fr- there are other French-speaking countries. <laughs> that's fair. That's a good point. You did great. Um. So she is from France. Uh, Annie Arnaud won the Nobel Literature Prize. Mm-hmm. So good for you. I I've, love it. I've never I, read any of those books. I also did not. But her life sounds fascinating. Absolutely. I. I do. I will say that that's another like reason I love like awards like season sometimes is because it definitely exposes me to stuff that i definitely would not have maybe i wouldn't i don't typically tend to browse certain sections in mm-hmm. the bookstore yeah so cool like i totally need to read this lady's like books because they're and like many of them seem to be inspired by her life
0: yeah i have to say one of my favorite headlines was like Annie Arno wins the nobel prize she's written about death and grief and fun things like her affairs and i was like what mm-hmm. is this headline mm-hmm. like
1: from her own life including um her passion, I'm sorry, a passionate extramarital affair. was there you what go. It was. Uh, good for you. Congrats. And, um, and also congrats to your translator,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Allison Strayer, mm-hmm. who was also, I just wanted to say, uh, her translations, uh, or a translation of The Years, um, which was from, I think, But the translation was shortlisted for the 2019 Man Booker International Prize. Yes. Uh, So good for for you too. I think we just don't recognize editors and translators enough because they have such a
0: massive impact. Agreed. No, thank you for pointing that out. I did not put that into my notes, but I should have. Moving on to our favorite section, Kaylee. What are you reading? What am I reading right now? That's an
1: excellent question, Annie.
0: Some cool probably.
1: No, I've just been working. Honestly, same. More. <laughs> I I know. I feel really bad. I was just thinking about that. Like, what have I been doing lately? That is cool. <laughs> so I actually started replaying *Okami*. Honestly, is my I've my never big played thing. *Okami*. How was it? Into my house and play *Okami*. It's so much fun. It's yeah. um gorgeous. It's one of my favorite games. I think I've repurchased it about seventeen times. What kind of game is it? So it is um it's an RPG. Okay. Um, it's very similar to zelda not quite um as far as like you go into the various sections they're open and you're going to solve the different things in their section and start unlocking additional sections when you get new powers and stuff um but it is a a 2d fully hand-drawn illustrated uh, game Um, the company clover only did a few games before they you know split up and went their separate ways um but it is one of my favorite games and it's following one of the creation myths um and in this case your main character is Amaterasu and I'm definitely saying the name wrong so I apologize to the Shinto religion in general <laughs> so I'm very sorry there but n- your your main character is um the goddess of creation essentially okay. and um you are fighting her old nemesis
0: mm-hmm. Orochi
1: and um it's basically going through essentially that myth again. Are you
0: the is the protagonist the wolf Amatrasia?
1: Yeah, she's okay. a, she's a wolf in this one. Her thing, so um, yeah. And you have um, various constellations. Your power is um, the ability to paint. It's calligraphy. Oh, is one of your power. Your main powers, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you get your spirit beads and a mirror, which acts as a as a celestial shield. Mm-hmm. That's a very good, gorgeous game. Like, it seems like it was so much more fun to create than some of the CGI, like, fully computer generated stuff that we have now. Uh-huh. Definitely a labor of love for the studio, for sure. And it was a PS2, PS3 game.
0: Oh, wow. So it, it was when
1: PS3 was coming out. Like, wow. Before, yeah. So.
0: I what thi- is the story since this is a publishing
1: book? Right. <laughs> sorry.
0: Right, right, right. Fair enough.
1: <laughs> so you're basically, um, the. Orochi is a, a demon, and a, mm-hmm. a a weak human has unleashed him after he'd been previously sealed.
0: Damn weak humans! I know
1: we're not we're not great. Um, so uh, Amaterasu has taken a nap after the last time she fought him.
0: Hey, um, she's like she
1: does, yeah. T- t- takes a hundred years nap, wakes up, and shit's going down again. So she saves her Same. her tree her tree gal pal. Sakuya? She's saving the world, basically. So she's saving Sakuya. She's basically restoring her guardian saplings in the world, which is spreading out Sakuya's area of protection for humanity. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then ultimately you fight the demon dragon, Orochi again, the a seven-headed dragon. I can't remember. Again, I'm very sorry to the Shinto religions. Like, this was actually – I did research this when I originally played the game. And oh, yeah? It seemed – Like, as accurate as you could make an RPG. That's cool. They did a lot of loving research in my, from what I can remember. That's awesome. It's just gorgeous. So, like I said, and, like, it's just got a lot of fun little side mechanics. You know, you form relationships with the people in the community. So, like, you help people in their day-to-day lives. Like, you restore a lady's washing, like, her drying rack. The local, like, rice wine brewer, like, her water wheel that she uses to polish her rice broke so you restore that Um, and they don't see you as a goddess they see you as like a white dog basically but like they're like oh the gods are around that's Great. And, like, you get these worship points and you can kind of, you know, enhance various things. I love it when
0: a random dog comes and just fixes my plumbing. I know. know? Wouldn't that, <laughs> isn't that
1: great? Don't you love it when that happens?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, And then you can, like...
0: Why are, why are monotheistic religions so boring? Like, it's always just some omnipotent person just, like, doing stuff. Meanwhile, polytheists are like, can, this dog will fix your... Rice machine. Well, they'll be Is around.
1: That- I don't know. To be fair, when uh, the Greek gods interacted with people, did not That's always true. go well for them. <laughs>
0: That's true. It's true. It's a give and take. It's a give and take. All right. So I
1: mean, We've it got stability. <laughs> yeah. To be to be fair, and to be fair also, like I don't know that this particular like the the Shinto religions, like they the 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 deities in question, I did interact with people, but it wasn't. I think at this particular sure, sure. level, probably for sure. the most part. Um no, headcanon. It's yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I'm um, saving the world. Uh doing doing your best. Fighting fighting demons. That's awesome. So a lot of fun. A lot that sounds of fun. fun. Yeah. Gorgeous.
0: What are you playing it on?
1: A PS four. Mm-hmm. Do you have a PS five? I do. I could. I just, that's what my controllers are currently connected to. The, the, the controllers that are the easiest. The
0: laziness is so the controllers cool.
1: that are easiest for me to reach while I'm on the couch or the, the other PS4. Day,
0: I was trying to decide what game to play, and but the controller that was like, already on the coffee table was linked up to the Steam Deck, so I was like, well, it has to be something on the Steam Deck. Girl, I could it's have true. easily, easily with a button linked mm. it up to the PS5, nope. but I was like, nope. nope, Steam Deck only. Yep, nope. <laughs> I feel you.
1: So, oh, God, we
0: are horrible. What are you <laughs> playing and or reading, Annie? Which would you like to talk about? Um, but I am reading. I am rereading Harrow the Ninth in anticipation of reading Nona the Ninth, which is the third book in the no, Locked two series soon. that is already out. Ooh. And it's one of those ones where Tor has, like, realized that it's... Fan base is absolutely unhinged, so it released a special edition hardcover. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna read the book and then I'm gonna track down that hardcover because uh, a friend of mine got it and posted a video of it. And I'm like, oh, it's beautiful. I've been spoiled a little bit, which is sad, but it's one of those. This is one of those series where the author has had this like huge world built out and a very long storyline built out, and the plot of the books is like a small piece of it. So you're getting kind of bits and pieces of what's going on in other parts of the story as you kind of go along. So the first book, the plot, is just a locked room mystery. The the setting, though, is this, like, space necromancer thing. And, uh, like, how does this magic system work? And so they're setting up the magic system in, like, a very closed space. And then the second book is a um space station where they're doing expanding those ideas and doing more things around them with a beautiful cast of characters um harrow is constantly under attack um but she refuses to die and it delves more into uh the love of harrow's life who is a ghost spoilers but kind of not um (laughs) She's a ghost, and our fan favorite, Gideon the Ninth, does make an appearance, as well as some other fan favorites from the first book. And I have seen some of the spoilers on Instagram. I hate every single one of you for spoiling Electo for me. Mm, You jerks. But uh, apparently I am in for some fantastic new characters in the third book. And one of the great things about rereading it is that because I know what's coming, I'm seeing a lot of the Easter eggs that were laid Ooh. both in the last book and in this book, and I'm very excited to see where uh, Tamsin Mir takes it for the third book, which is really exciting. One of the things that I really love is the I'm, – so I'm doing it on audiobook, and the narrator is absolutely fantastic, and the narrator is even leaving Easter eggs in the way that she is vocalizing some things. And – um obviously i i read it on on hard copy the first time but uh listening to it now i'm like girl yes this is so good uh just like adding that other dimension to it and i'm like now i will follow this narrator whatever she does and luckily she is doing nona so i'm going to be able to listen to her do nona as well yeah uh so that's what i've been reading and it's very very fun
1: i'll have to maybe pick up that audio maybe that'll be my audio book
0: You have to read Gideon first. Well, that's my—I
1: mean, Gideon first.
0: (laughs) You have Gideon. I I have the the paperback. You have the ebook. Oh no! The audio is on script, though. Um, Oh, nice. If you, yeah. thanks for listening to the ink sync you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. we are on all major platforms we are also available on anchor and spotify with sponsorships you can sponsor us for as low as 99 cents a month if you want but (laughs) we highly highly encourage you to go check out our bookshop page that link will be in the show notes and you can find us on twitter on instagram maybe on tumblr one day (laughs) i'm not looking at kaylee i'm looking up at the ceiling Because Tumblr lives in the ceiling. Yep, sure does. (laughs) Sure does. Thanks, ceiling, Uh, Tumblr. And uh, thank you, Abby. Thank you, Abby. We'll see you next time.